Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 21. And today we're going to be looking at a spiritual truth that if we could truly grasp, if we could rest in this truth, this truth would profoundly change our lives. And sometimes the, the, the clearest of God's promises are the hardest to trust. And a very clear promise throughout the entire Hebrew scripture in the New Testament is God will provide for you. Jehovah Jireh. So that's what we are going to be looking at today. And I must mention in advance that I do have a puppy on my lap. And so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, she's sleeping just now. Little Sterling. But we'll see how this goes. So, Jehovah Jireh. Meaning, God says, I'll provide for you. I'll take care of you. Simple enough promise, right? Simple enough. But if we truly trusted that promise, we wouldn't have to worry about the future. We wouldn't be driven by a nagging fear that whispers, what are you going to do if you don't have enough? Well, enough of what? Well, it could be anything, really. Um, Whatever we think that we need to live a full and satisfying life and be happy. Will I have enough money? What if I run out? Will I have enough love, emotional support? It could be, will I have enough energy? It could be, will I have enough time to complete the task? Will I have health? It could be career opportunities. What to do with my life? Will I be given the right opportunities? Am I wasting my life away? Will my children get what they need? Humans are plagued with a fear of not having enough. Or another thing that happens too is is that we get frightened that, that we'll lose what we have because whatever we have that we like we quickly attach to it. And if there's any chance of losing it, well, there goes our peace of mind, right? So in the passage today, this is an ancient story of Elijah the prophet and the widow who had the jar of oil that never <laughs> ran out. Yeah, that's the pup there. She had the, the, the oil jar that never, ever ran out, the jar of meal that never, ever emptied. And in this story, we find helpful lessons on provision. And we'll see here two sides of this coin. We'll see what's God's part when it comes to provision. And of equal importance, what's our part when it comes to provision. But first, I'm going to just start with giving you very, very briefly a little bit background on Elijah the prophet, because this all happened 900 years before Jesus. So we're talking like 3,000 years ago. Elijah, uh, a spokesman for God, basically, told wicked King Ahab and his equally wicked queen Jezebel. In fact, the text says, that King Ahab and wicked Queen Jezebel, because Ahab has done more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any other king of Israel, he was called the most 
wicked king Israel ever had. He's a bad, bad leader, in other words. He leads people astray. His politics are corrupt. He is corrupt. In fact, at this point, even the land itself is complaining. And Elijah says, no rain will fall on this land because of what you have done. You have done evil in the eyes of the Lord. Your politics are bad. Your leadership's bad. You're corrupt. You're causing uh, much pain on your people. And so no rain will fall on this land. Well, of course, wicked King Ahab, being wicked, pays no attention to Elijah the prophet, carries on doing what he wants to do, and Elijah goes into hiding in the desert. And this is where we're going to pick up the story, because after some time, Elijah's in the desert and he's hiding, obviously trying to get away from uh, Ahab and wicked Queen Jezebel, and he's in the desert, and I'm going to pick it up here in 1 Kings, I'll read it to you, 1 Kings 17 Verse 8, the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. Now, initially you think, okay, nothing too interesting there. It's actually loaded with interesting things. The In the original language, of course, it was written in Hebrew. Zarephath means a smelting place. It means to smelt. It means to refine. It means to test. So the image is if you are smelting silver or gold in order to purify it, you Heat the salt, the metal, the precious metal is heated, it's smelted, and all the impurity rises to the top to be skimmed off. Now God's saying to Elijah, I want you to go to a smelting place. Now, of course, initially you think, well, that sounds horrible, right? I don't want to be going to any smelting place. I don't want to go to Zarephath. But if you just think about this for a minute. Think about this, what happens to the precious metal. And all the impurities get skimmed off. What if you are the precious metal? What if you are asked to go to the testing place? And as you're going through your trial or your challenge, you find that the fear rises to the top to be skimmed off. Or you're going through a difficult time And God uses that time to skim off something that's plagued you for years and years and years. See, the smelting place might not be bad after all. What if God uses the trial, the challenge, the hot seat, so to speak, right? What if anxiety skimmed off? Wouldn't Wouldn't that be great? If you could be less anxious after this challenging time that you're going through? What if procrastination was dealt with in an entirely different way as you go through this time? Whatever it would be, or unforgiveness, something that's bothered you and that when it's dealt with, your life will be so much lighter, so much better. Zarephath, go there, God says to Elijah, go there. Get out of the desert 
and I will provide a widow to give you what you need. Now, two strange things already. First, a widow. A widow will provide. A woman in a patriarchal culture. That didn't happen. It was men that provided for women. So already the text is hinting that Jehovah Jireh provides, but it might not be in the way that you'd expect. So it's like, we have to stay open. You know, provision may come where you least expect it. Elijah would certainly not expect a widow to help in any way. And the second thing that is would have bothered Elijah too is where Zarephath is located. It's actually in enemy territory. It's wicked Queen Jezebel's homeland. It's another territory altogether. It is completely unsafe. Why go there of all places? I mean, if God had to use the widow to show him a lesson on provision, why not go somewhere safe in the homeland of Israel? Why go to a a widow in Sidon? She's not an Israelite. She wouldn't know Elijah's God. She would know nothing about Elijah's God. She'd be a different uh, faith tradition altogether. Wouldn't it be easier to go to a nice, safe widow, somebody you knew, somebody who worshipped God, somebody who thought about God the way that you did? You know, why go right into the heart of enemy territory? Yeah. So it seems like in this trial, this test, Elijah has to face his fears. And it seems like it's important for Elijah to face his fears. And we'll see this exact same pattern with the widow. In order for Elijah to experience God's provision, he has to face his fears. He has to be willing to walk into the enemy territory. He has to not avoid doing the difficult thing. Now, he does have a choice, right? I mean, he can say no right? God says, I'll provide for you. This is how it's going to be done. I'm going to give you this widow and she's going to provide for you. He can say no, just like we can always say no. But we miss the provision when we stall or when we say no. Before Elijah experiences God's provision, he has to be willing to move out of his comfort zone. And you'll see the same thing with her, the widow. She has to be willing to do the hard thing. If he gets scared, if he stays put, he's going to miss out on what God has for him. If he avoids, if he procrastinates to the point of failing to move ahead, he's going to miss out on an amazing provision. Now, I, I know from personal experience Uh, I've often not wanted to go to the hard place. And what I found is, is that God keeps bringing the opportunity back many, many, many times. So it's not like if you say no once, that's you, you've lost your chance. It doesn't seem to be the way that God works. The opportunity keeps appearing all the time. But I just think that it's worthwhile reflecting on what we avoid. Uh, We avoid it because it's too hard, it's too uncomfortable, it's too scary. We have a sense that, well, I really should do this, but... Yeah, it's worthwhile to 
to think about that. You know, avoidance can really hold us back. Avoidance can really hold us back from having all that God has for us. Because it seems that in our spiritual lives, there are certain times where we have to push ourselves. This is why it's good to have people in our lives that push us, actually. Because if we don't push ourselves, sometimes we have someone else in our life that will push. You know, you don't want to get to the point where you avoid everything. You know, sometimes it's good to push ourselves, to push through, even when we're hesitant, even when we're afraid, even when we're fearful. This is what living in faith looks like, by the way. It's going ahead in spite of how you feel. It looks like facing fears. It looks like moving ahead. And Elijah goes to Zarephath. Yeah, he faces his fears. It's funny, the thing about fear is, is that we all have different fears. And, and what is fearful for me, you know, might not be necessarily fearful for you. Or you might know someone, you might have a friend, you think, why is she so scared of this? You know, it's, there's nothing to be frightened of. But this is the way it is with fear. We're all fearful of different things. And different times in our lives, we're fearful of different things. Have you noticed that? Remember when I was um, about 21, people would say to me, well, it must have taken a lot of courage to change countries and move to the USA at 21. What a brave thing to do. Well, actually it wasn't. It really wasn't a brave thing to do because it was sort of a lifelong dream. And when I came here, I came to a really supportive family, an amazing congregation. I had a ready-made support group here who looked after me. So it really wasn't, uh, you know, me facing my fears to come here. Actually, what took courage in my 20s was, uh, and this is going to be something that many people are not frightened to do, but what really took courage in my early 20s was is uh, go to college. Because my fear was, um, what, if I, what if I can't do it? What if I fail? So the point is, is that we all have different fears. And what is fearful for me might not necessarily be fearful for you. And at different times in our lives, we're fearful of different things. I remember by the time I was 25, I wasn't frightened of college anymore because I got that done. Then at 25... I'm really fearful that I'm going to fail my New Testament Greek and I'll never, ever be a pastor. Yeah, so that was a whole other fear issue. So we all have different fears at different times. Anyway, back to Elijah. So he goes to the scary place. He goes to the Zarephath. He finds the widow, the most unlikely place, the most unlikely person. He asks her, for help. He asked her for food. And she said, I don't have enough. All I have is a, a meal, a little meal in a jar. I have a little jug of oil. Once it's gone, my son and I will die. Remember, this is the time of drought. Elijah says, don't be afraid. Make me a cake and then make one for yourself and make one for your son. And here's the promise, Jehovah Jireh. God will make sure the oil 
and the jar of meal will not run out until the rains come. And she bakes the cake, which is kind of surprising. It's like, why? You know, why did she listen to him? Why did she decide to split the last food into three? You know, is she threatened by Elijah? Is she uh, like, well, whatever, I'm going to die anyway. This is all I have. I might as well have company. Is she despairing? Is she hopeful? Is there something about Elijah that she trusts him? Yeah, see, the, the text is silent. A lot of times in these, these narratives, they don't tell you everything. It's like you have to fill in this yourself. You know, you have to kind of use your imagination in all of these. Use your imagination. Why? Well, one thing that I found worth noting is, is that she needs to bake the cake she needs to use up the oil. She has to use up the meal in the jar first before she sees the provision. And again, it's the same thing, right? She needs to face her fears. What's her fear? I'm going to die and my son's going to die. I'm not going to have enough. She needs to act like it's true before she can actually experience the provision. If she changes her mind and a fear gets the better of her and she doesn't use up what she has, she's never going to experience the provision. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's the exact same pattern as Elijah. God instructs, go to Zarephath. Yeah, yeah, the scary place, go there. The person has a choice. Face the fear. Don't avoid it. If you refuse, okay, well, then you miss the provision. Right? So it's like the blessing only comes through the obedience. This is what Jesus spoke about this a lot, being the narrow way. Remember he said that, you know, most people take the, the wide way that leads to destruction, and a few take the narrow way. Well, how come only a few take the narrow way? Because uh, it's hard. <laughs> right? Because it's hard. Right? Each one, Elijah, the widow, well, let's, let's include ourselves. All of us, Elijah, the widow, me, you, we have to be willing to do the tough thing, the hard thing. We, we have to be willing to take the faith step. He's got to go to the smelting place. He's got to go and ask a widow in enemy territory. She has to use up the oil. What do I have to face? What am I avoiding? See, if nobody's willing to do the difficult thing, there's no movement. That's when we get stuck. God invites us to participate. But the blessing, the provision, the healing, the freeing, however you want to say it, it doesn't happen without our willingness, our heart, our participation, our action, our involvement. And I think that we get stuck. I mean, I know I've gotten stuck so many times um, when we just blindly follow familiar ways of coping with life. Um, ways that don't really consider that God leads us in challenging ways and takes us right out of our comfort zone. Oh, life has a way of showing us this. You know, it really does. Life has a way of showing us this. And God doesn't urge us to do the difficult thing just to, just for the sake of it. 
You know, the end result is always for our good. It's always for our good, even if we don't understand it. Um, that's why Paul said all things work together for good. Do I understand that? Do I see that? No, no, absolutely not. But to trust in a good God, yeah, that's what it's about. If, if we are challenged to forgive, it's so we don't have to carry around a truckload of resentment for 15 years. If we are challenged to not fight against something that is completely outside of our power to change, it's so we can be freed up from that kind of irritation and annoyance. Yeah. If we find ourselves avoiding something, we have a sense that we need to, to move ahead on, you know. If we have a sense that I really should say something here or do something here and we, and we don't do it, we're the ones that miss out. And sometimes just little changes can have tremendous force for good in our lives. Just the little things. It doesn't have to be huge things. Again, it's facing fear. You know, if I'm an outgoing social kind of person and I love being surrounded by people, maybe the thought of quietness and alone time scares me. But maybe that's kind of what I need. And the Spirit's urging me. You gotta, you gotta stop the doing list here and just chill. Yeah? Or maybe I'm, I'm, I'm introverted and quiet and I like time alone and it's difficult for me to be in groups of people. What if the Spirit is saying, you know, I have more for you. You need to learn to give away more of yourself and I want to use you outside of your nearest and dearest. Yeah, I want, you, I want, I want to use you to touch more people. More people. See, we all have our different fears. And it seems like the way through hesitation, the way through fear or apprehension is, is always to deliberately move toward it. Avoiding only makes it worse. Yeah, something to consider from Elijah. Is there something we're avoiding? Is there something that we're running away from? When we know in our heart of hearts is better to face it. Our Zarephath. There's the, here, there's the heart cry. There's the prayer. Don't avoid the hard, difficult place, God. Help me not to avoid this. Help me to face my fear. Help me to just walk toward it, knowing that you're with me. I don't walk to Zarephath alone. You're right beside me, with me all the time. It leads to freedom. It leads to healing. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining Celtic Preacher. And I'd like to invite you again, join with me next week. And let's see if little pup can say something as we end here. Do you hear that little squeaky sound? Yeah. No, gosh, she won't do it now because she's been speaking the whole time. There you go. Mm. <laughs> okay.